Welcome to On Texas Football. I'm Bobby Burton, joined today uh, by Jerry Hamilton. And, and this this big guy over here is Nathan O'Neill next to Jerry. Uh, Nathan is the Under Armour defensive line coach. We've had him on the show before uh, because he has also uh, uh, been with Sadir Mitchell, uh, the young defensive lineman out of Bergen Catholic uh, that Texas has a, as a signee. It's actually a signee now and is headed to Austin next month. No, Nathan, uh, Jerry, welcome to the show. Thanks for having us, man. (laughs) We're doing good. How is the weather down there, guys? Uh, Much better than anywhere else. (laughs) Beautiful. (laughs) By the way, Bobby, how funny he says, Nathan walks in the door and I said, all right, we're doing YouTube live. Jump in. He's like, I walked in the wrong door. I said, yes, you did. (laughs) How are you doing today, Nathan? Uh, You guys get get, uh, a bunch of kids down there. You're going to be – do you work with both sides or just one side or one team in this event? Just one team. For the game, I mean, most of these kids that are actually in the game, you know, I was part of the selection of them, you know. So fired up, you get to work with the team. I, unfortunately, I'm not, you know, Sadir's coach this week, um, but you know, I'm fired up to work with the guys I'm working with this week for sure. When when did y'all start practice, or was it today the first go, or how's it working? Tonight, tonight will be the first practice. Okay, got it. Um, Jerry, uh, you were down there this week, uh, or for check in yesterday, I guess. Uh, give us a little rundown about what some of the kids said and uh, see if uh, Nathan has any feedback. Yeah, well, you know, I think the big news for Texas fans, obviously, was Deuce Robinson, number one tight in the country. Uh, still Texas, Georgia, USC. He's including Alabama in that. I didn't get the impression he'll be at Alabama. Uh, I get the impression that Georgia's probably in a pretty decent spot right now, um, headed into January. Uh, he's not going to sign until February, but uh, Texas Sarkeesian made the in-home. I put that on a story in Inside Texas, and um, I know they like the te- the Texas baseball football combination, as as Georgia and USC uh, baseball factors heavily into it. Uh, Deuce said he's not even um, going to play high school baseball because he's going to prepare and in, go in the MLB draft workouts. Now, what does that mean? I don't really know. We'll find out. Um, but then I'll hit on Sadir Mitchell because I want I know Nathan's got to go to a team meeting, but I wanted him to get his thoughts on Mitchell. But uh, Sadir just. Uh, I mean, we had him on the show before, Bobby at Future 50, just a great kid. I love the kid. Uh, besides the player he is, um, he's just got a great personality. And I'm going to let Nathan, because Nathan's worked with him and knows him very well. But my takeaway from Sadir has always been, I think he wants to be great at what he does. The kids that lose weight on their own in high school are motivated. And I think that's a really big, strong sign for big kids. And I don't know what yeah. Nathan's thought is. So when you talk about that, that, a young man that is already – he was going to be in this position whether he lost the weight or not, right? So him turning around and losing that weight says a lot about his own self-motivation. And in my experience, a guy who's worked with guys that have – you know, I've got guys that I've worked with since they were in high school through the NFL draft and now into the NFL. You know, those guys that are self-motivated, when they get to college, they're coachable. And that is one of the biggest things with a kid when they go and they, they get to college because a lot of these kids aren't getting coached in high school. Like their coaches don't coach them. They're scared to lose them, so they don't coach them. And so a kid that, that turns around and has had that, got that self-motivation that when he steps in that room at UT with Bo Davis, Coach Davis is going to get the best version of Sadir because Sadir is a self-motivated young man. What have, Nathan, what have you seen – from Sadir, his skill set that you really like, where can he get better? So I, I ultimately, I think you, you look at a kid like this and they have to develop as a pass rusher. And a lot of kids don't understand, you know, they get out there and they, they, they whoop a bunch of high school kids in pass rush and they're just shooting up field or maybe just ripping or throwing a little power in there and, you know, beating some high school kid that, that's just going to be a regular student next week. Um, there's nothing wrong with that, but what they have to learn is how to rush, how, how what, what it means to game plan your rush, what it means to rush in the first quarter to get to the second quarter, second quarter, get to the third quarter, and so forth and so on. So as, as a run stopper, though, Sadir excites me. And I often, like with my pros and, and you know, my draft prep guys, I call it, you, you made me emotionally excited. Because Sadir, I mean, he he strikes with his hands. He plays with his hands really, really well in the run game. And he gets vertical when he's doing it. And he gets off blocks really fast. And his eyes, his his eyes are, are right where they want to be. Like so at the start of the play, his eyes are on his man. 
And as he's shedding that block to get to the back to find that ball, his eyes are in the backfield. So he doesn't – we often call that hunting. Like he's not going out there and watching football. He's hunting the ball. So he's beating the man because the man's going to take him to the ball, and then he gets to the ball. So the way he plays with his hands in the run game, how he gets a separation, locks out a blocker, his eyes in the run game and gets off that block and explodes to the football – is probably the thing that excites me most about Sadir. But watching him and understanding the development process and understanding with his athleticism and who he's, his defensive line coach is, he's going to develop as a pass rusher. And in two, three years from now, the Sadir Mitchell that we talked about is going to be a Sadir Mitchell that's also putting pressure on a quarterback. Let me ask you this, Nathan, and I know you got to get going, and we appreciate you. This is Nathan O'Neill. Uh, defensive line coach uh, for the Under Armour game. Uh, and uh, one of his pupils has been uh, uh, Sadir Mitchell or, or uh, has been in the past, at least. Nathan, do you think he's a, a guy that's ready to play or can play some snaps as a true freshman? Or does he need more and more seasoning yet? I, I think he's definitely a guy that can play on first and second down. One thousand percent. I think he's a guy that can play on first and second down. And, and I hope he doesn't take that as, as an insult, but it takes time. It, it, guys have no idea how much time it takes to develop as a pass rusher. There's a reason why NFL players pay me what they pay me, because they're still coming to me to learn how to pass rush. So guys get better every year. But on first and second down, as a true freshman at Texas, I definitely think he's a guy that can that can play some meaningful snaps. I got to let Nathan pl- plug his uh... – is NFL draft class right now because we worked with all, we invited all these guys to the Under Armour camps together. So, yeah. and they're going to be familiar to all the Texas fans. Who, do you, who Who's in your draft class this year? So for Texas, you know, Keandre Coburn. Um, and then I also have guys like Will Anderson and Jalen Carter, um, Nick Hampton, Miles Murphy at Clemson, Brent Cox at Georgia, Robert Bill or Brent Cox at Florida, Robert Bill at Georgia. I mean, it, it's is been doing this for a long time, and this is my best draft class I've ever had. Hey, talk about Will Anderson, because Texas fans prep for him for a whole offseason, right? Talk about Will Anderson, because you told us how good he was in high school, and some of us didn't listen. <laughs> and I now listen to everything you tell me. <laughs> Will ha- has, has an instinct, a natural rush angle instinct that I've never seen in a high school kid before. And when I talk about that, what I'm talking about is – you know, a lot of coaches will talk about half, rushing half a man, half a man, half a man. Will's, Will's natural instinct puts him on the outside quarter of a man. And he really exploits that well with his bob and swat and arm overs. And just just Will is that natural instinct and then that just undying need to finish everything he does puts him in a great position to make plays at all times. And what what, what, do you, what do you see from Keandre Coburn as an NFL prospect? Keandre, I think, is a, a dominant nose tackle. I, and, and unfortunately, Texas fans will be mad at me. I don't think y'all got the most out of him. I think his best football is ahead of him. That kid is an absolute monster. I've seen him do some athletic things that I haven't seen from any other nose tackle in this draft. And, and I'm not joking when I say this. I'm, I'm extremely, maybe most excited about working with Keandre than anybody else in this draft class. That's great. Nathan O'Neill, we appreciate your time, bud. Uh, you have a good one, and, and good luck this week. Absolutely. Thanks, guys. Appreciate you. Uh, yeah, have a good one. Uh, hey, bringing in Justin Wells now, uh, Jerry, uh, we need to talk a little bit about this game last night. Uh, Longhorns lose 27-20 in the Alamo Dome uh, to wa- the Washington Huskies. Uh, Justin, your initial thoughts from that game? Because I didn't get a chance to talk to you yet this morning. Um, yeah, <laughs> there were a lot of – I found bright spots last night, good and bad, obviously. But I, I found some bright spots. Um, it just felt like the the offense and the defense were in different halves. I think the defense played played real well in the first half. They they had they made, they had forced Penix to, to kind of unleash a little bit too much. And then on the uh, the offense couldn't get going. Second half comes around, and Michael Penix comes out with extreme confidence. By the mid-third quarter, late third quarter, he was throwing it as confident as anybody in the state, gripping it and ripping it. The kid knew exactly what he was doing, and the defense couldn't stop him. There on the other side, the offense started clicking. 
And Quinn Ewers got better each drive as they went along in the second half. His confidence grew. I know going in more to the spread now, that's his bread and butter. And I think he felt more comfortable. But, at, you know, after a, a first few drives where it was kind of a sloppy, slow start, Quinn looked tremendous, threw for almost 380 yards. And that's not counting. I, there had to be seven or eight drops in that game. He could have clearly uh, done done a lot more. And so it's one of those games where you see some some sparks for the future. Guys like Terrence Brooks who's going to be a future star at Texas. You see the spark that he had in the second half. Uh, The lack of Jonathan Brooks, you kind of wonder, seven touches, two touchdowns. That's a hellacious scenario. You know, that's probability you want. And so I think you see some bright spots, and and then you see some things the team needs to work on. And, And I think upgrading that wide receiver room is one of the top on the chart because the number one receiver is it may not be a number one receiver. He, he certainly had issues last night, a couple of drops. Um, you know, Justin, I think that, uh, and Jerry, get, get your thought on this too, but I, I want to say this. I've got to thank our advertiser here, our sponsor, uh, because we need to be uh, cognizant of that before I do that. Uh, Andy Ludicky of MyPerfectFranchise.net. Are you looking to diversify? You may be someone like me that has their hands in multiple businesses. Well, Andy can help you diversify by finding you businesses that will fit your time allotment and financial goals call him or email him to learn more he's got a really cool process i did it myself andy at myperfectfranchise.net start the new year uh with a new opportunity all right hey guys uh we talk about that that wide receiver situation um it, it, it appears that xavier worthy doesn't have the best hands that's number one so he's not super consistent the bigger issue in my my mind may be that he just doesn't track the deep ball well at all. Like he seemingly just doesn't – he doesn't know how to cut it off. He doesn't know how to – it's like he never played outfield. You know what I mean? Like, like he never played outfield. It's one thing when you're looking at the ball and, and receiving a punt return and can go forward. It's another thing when you have to run, you know, 75 yards and then go catch it. And I'm not so sure that he he tracks the ball real well in the air at this point. Yeah, I mean, I, look, I agree with that. I think my biggest thing with him is just it's been a regression this season. I don't care what his touchdown numbers are. Um, he just has not – you know, when you have a first-year starting quarterback, as important as the quarterback making the throw open to the receivers is the receivers help bailing out a freshman quarterback sometimes. How many times does Xavier Worthy bail out Quinn Ewers this year? That's the question I have. And that's part of a big-time growth that's needed for Xavier Worthy. Yes, the quarterback has to make the throws. But sometimes the receiver has to bail out the quarterback, especially a young quarterback. And I do not think he did that this year. I think he regressed as a player. Yeah. Um, you know, what do you think about that, Justin? You you think he regressed or you think it's just he's showing more of who he may, may really be? Because last year, you know, Nobody could hit him with the broad side of the barn with the football deep. I mean, Casey, Casey Thompson had a bum thumb and Hudson Card just wasn't ready. Um, was it a regression or is this something that he, he is what he is? I, I, I think it's a little bit of both. I agree with Jerry. He, he's regressed. I think last year defenses weren't necessarily geared up for him, at least for the first part of the season. They didn't know what to expect. He was a true freshman that weighed – 145 pounds wet and wearing boots. So they didn't know what they were going to get. By the end of the season, I think you saw more schemes around him, you know, more bracket coverage. But this year, he wasn't surprising anybody. And so he got the full gauntlet of what a defensive coordinator does to to scheme against him. You know, I know he complained a little bit earlier about being in a lot of double coverage, bracket coverage. I know at Oklahoma State, they did that like a religion. Uh, and, and, And he just doesn't fight through it. He just doesn't push. He just kind of goes through the motions. There were more than a couple drops, Bobby, (laughs) last night. I mean, I get if the timing's off on a deep route, him and Quinn's timing's been, you know, sketchy at best. I I get that. But there there was one where the ball hit him so hard in the chest that it ricocheted seven yards up the field. And at that stage, at that point, 
you've got other guys in the in the wide receiver room, and they're seeing this guy fail time after time, and they're not getting reps from it. They're getting chewed out for missing little details, whereas another player's getting a little bit different of a treatment and allowed to screw up time and time again, not to mention a completely negative, horrible attitude the last two months of the season. Body language that would be cussing in my house. And at the end of the day, guys, Worthy is, is a great talent. Lots of speed, quickness. He, 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 can, he can zip and zap with some of those underneath the routes. He's got incredible feet. But you have to catch the football. That, that's, that's the biggest thing with playing wide receiver. You have to catch the football. I would have blamed Quinn a little bit earlier in the year because I thought their timing was off again. Not last night. Not last night. Quinn Ewers was throwing dimes from the second quarter on. He was putting the ball on the money. He was tossing the pill. And Xavier Worthy just had a bad game. Is it a regression? Hell yeah. But it's also, like you said, Bobby, we're starting to see who he really is. And who else, you know who else sees through that? The NFL. I, yeah. I, I th- I'll say one thing about him, and I agree with every, what everybody said. He missed his whole senior year of football was, uh, in California, right? Um, so he was essentially almost a senior in high school football experience-wise as a freshman. This year maybe you know, kind of similar to Quinn, right? I'm inter- interested to see him next season, wherever that is. That's his contract year. That's his draft year. That's what he's been looking forward to his whole life. Um, I think he's going to have issues tracking the ball. It will not surprise me if he catches the ball more consistently next year because a lot more is on the line for him. But we'll see. Maybe not. Well, I know he's had some issues. I, this is not a a uh, a uh, uh, it's not an excuse, but I know he's actually had a a, a, broke, a broke a small broken bone in one of his hands. Yeah. But that doesn't that doesn't affect the tracking of the ball. Right. Let, let's be clear. Uh, so th- there's 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 that to consider. And we'll have to go through it and see what it's all about. Um, you mentioned uh, Quinn Ewers. And, and I do want to talk about him uh, because one of the things I thought Ewers had a nice game last night. Anybody that watched the game and thinks otherwise, I don't know what to tell you. Um, but he he had a nice game last night. I felt like he settled down in the second quarter. Um, I felt like he started going to other receivers and against Oklahoma state, he just way too often dialed in on Xavier worthy. Right. I felt like he distributed the ball better last night. Uh, he did it to not only to Jordan Whittington, to, to Casey Kane through the outs to, to Keelan Robinson, got Jonathan Brooks involved. Jatavian Sanders, Sanders was targeted the most. Yeah. And JT Sanders ends the season with the most receptions for a Texas tight end in school history. Um, and so uh, in, in a career or in a season, I guess, the thing I'm, I'm pointing to here um, is really, you know, I felt like he did all of those things. Plus, he stepped up in the pocket and delivered a dime off off schedule to Xavier Worthy. He ran for two first downs. He didn't take a couple of sacks that he could have easily taken early and got rid of the ball. I, I thought that we saw some real progress. It, what is it because of what Justin's saying that more three wide looks? giving him a little bit more options so he can read a defense as opposed to this power look that he's always having to really, you know, defense can disguise more when there's eight guys at the line of scrimmage. <laughs> I mean, what, what are y'all, what are your thoughts? Either of you. I'll just throw it real quick going to, you know, without Bijan or Rashawn, we saw more of a spread and that's exactly what Quinn does. Well, that's what he's used to. Is that, does that mean we're going to see a better quarterback? You should, in theory, that should, that, that should, that should go together. And so I, I, this offseason is going to be big for him, Bobby. It's going to be big. And, and it's not just going to be about what wide receivers leave or come in or, or what tailbacks start. That offensive line is going to be really salty next year with virtually almost everybody coming back. I, I think that's going to be a strength. I think Quinn's going to have that timing mechanism. He hadn't played a lot, but now he's got a year under his belt. We can't use that excuse anymore. But that timing there, being a second quicker on decisions, getting rid of the ball, getting rid of, a, you know, avoiding a sack, that's going to be the stuff to, to manage games that this offense is going to need next year, especially going vertical. When you get Isaiah Nayor back, when you bring in a Jonte Cook and a DeAndre Moore, 
Uh, that that I think is going to be more of an option as well. And so I'm with you. I, I thought Quinn looked looked good last night, especially in the second half. He looked a lot better. I mean, he almost he tried to leave a, a, a game winning drive with, in a one possession game. It was almost there. Just couldn't really connect with Worthy there at the end. But I, I want to know Jerry's thoughts on it because I think this offseason is enormous for, for Quinn Ewers. And what we saw last night is a great foundation to head into spring ball. Well, I, I'm a little different than everybody else. I've never been worried about Quinn. I, I, I like, I think the Texas fan base and, and, <laughs> and, some, of the, and some of the coverage is crazy to me. I, somebody within the Texas program, I asked him about three weeks ago. I said, "Are you are y'all stock up on Quinn Ewers?" The guy literally laughed at me. He said, "I thought you've been in this business twenty years." So that should tell you where the staff's at. Okay, <laughs> I mean, Quinn Ewers is going to be an NFL draft pick. The question is, Amen. how high is he going to go? It, yep. the, the, the rest of this stuff is asinine. I'm sorry, Quinn will be fine. He was a first-year starting quarterback in college football. It came very easy for him if Alabama was going to play man the whole game. He'd have thrown for 400 yards. He had an injury. I think that injury caused him to get a little lazy with his footwork, throw off the back foot, play to not get injured. Um, I thought the best thing for him last night was, you know, the sack early when the the defensive end split the, the what the, the, tight, ends. the tight ends. You know, does that happen when Carrick is there? Probably not. But – that can almost mess you up to start a game. That can say, oh, this is going to be a long night. When you, when you know the defensive end beat a double team and sacked you on your blind side early in the game. But I, I'm not worried about Quinn. Quinn's going to be a draft pick. Uh, he, he's as talented of a thrower, passer as, as this program's had. Um, and I think, you know, I think maybe the way he started before he got hurt ramped up the expectations, and that's the fault of all of us. Jerry yeah. nailed it. That that in the recruiting industry, you know, that we are all a part of as well. I, I mean, I blame Bobby for that. Yeah, yeah, hey, I, I feel like <laughs> you uh, created you know, it. There, there are outsized expectations on him. At the same time, I mean, he's now to a point in his career where he's got to start, you know, making yeah. things happen. Did you uh, hear what he said last night? I did. I, I liked it, Justin. I liked it. Go ahead and talk about it. Yeah, what, last night they asked him, "What do you need to work on this off season in your game to, you know, be better next year?" He didn't talk about anything about – I mean, he, he's rec- he's acknowledged his mechanics need to be t- tightened. He's acknowledged his footwork, things of that sort, going through his progressions. That's not what he had, but that's not what he said. He said, I got to be a better leader. I got to be more vocal. I got to be more confident on that sideline and, and bring that out. In the second half, he made that effort with Xavier. You know, I saw him going, interacting with him on multiple times to try to keep him engaged, keep him involved, because with each drop, worthy kind of – Took a step back, got more negative, got more negative. Quinn was trying to help that. And so that, to me, shows awareness. Shows, hey, I know I have some things to work on outside of just the football part of it. It's the mental side. It's the leading side. And with Bijan and Rashawn out the door, there needs to be a guy or two that step up big time to be a leader in this program, and they have to be one of your better players. That's the only way this works. If Quinn Ewers can do that, Jatavian Sanders is trying to do that, you're going to get more and more of that. Byron Murphy's trying to do that on defense. Jalen Ford as well. Jaron Thompson. You get those guys stepping up. Quinn recognizes he needs to be that guy. To me, that was one of the best takeaways from last night. It's interesting. I, I, I think that's I think that's the biggest thing for him actually in his future. Um, I I don't worry about him throwing, what he's doing with the football. Um, this was a tough team for him to come in and be a leader because Roshan is the leader. I mean, uh, undoubtedly the leader. Yeah. But now he's going to be forced to be the leader of this program, and that's going to help his growth so much, I think, as a quarterback. Um, and, and, you know, it's it, the one thing about the portal and where college football sports is at, if a quarterback transfers in as a young kid, it's hard to walk in and take leadership of a team. It, 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 there aren't many guys that are going to walk in and take that leadership. It normally in a semester. In, in a semester. In a semester. It normally comes in year two. I think that's the biggest thing I'm looking for with him is how does he do in that role because that more than his completion percentages, touchdowns versus interceptions, that's going to tell you how the season's going to go next year, I think. He's right. I, I, I feel good. I feel good about where Quinn Ewers is. And I also think that, uh, to Justin's point, it's going the offense next year will be – 
it won't be as run heavy. It just can't be because Bijan's not back there. I mean, you know, what what do y'all think? Like I have my, I think we're all on the same page on this, but y'all have any problem with Bijan, Roshan, and DeMarvian sitting out the bowl game? None. What about Rosh? I mean, I'm going to say this. What about Roshan, even though he's not going to be a top pick, he would have had an opportunity to maybe be the guy in a game? And, I, and I'm, I'm not go ahead, saying, I, 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 I want to say this. I'm not casting aspersions. I'm not right, right, right. or anything like I'm, I'm asking a legitimate question. Should he have played and been the guy for a game for people to see what he's got as the guy? I I, know, I, I was fine with him sitting out. Um, I'm not sure I was fine with Keelan Robinson getting more carries and, than Jonathan. I don't understand that at all. There's um, the key, that's the key. I just don't get that. But, Roshan, I was fine with that because he escaped injury twice this season. That's true. And you don't question how hard he plays and how much he loves the game. And that guy's going to get the most glowing reports for NFL people from the Texas staff, as I think we'll see in the Sarkeesian era. So I, I was fine with it because he almost lost his season before the season started. Yep. And I think that was probably taken into consideration as much as he loves the University of Texas. I think that's fair. Bobby, right. Jerry got my – Jerry answered me completely. I agree 100%. I don't hold him back, hold that against him whatsoever. All right, I, hey, guys, is, y'all that, are was both. My, that was my negative takeaway, though. I would have liked to see Jonathan Brooks really get more opportunities in that game because, look, he's two – He what he's a few weeks away from competing with Cedric Baxter for the starting job. And I, that one, I mean, look, I, I'm zero and zero as a coach. We're just sitting here talking about it, right? So that one surprised me a little. The takeaway I had from last night from the running game, Cedric Baxter's going to play early. No question. They need a big boy that's going to run between the tackles. And in case Sark and those guys didn't learn last night, Keelan Robinson is a not-between-the-tackles guy. He's a space guy. He's a going to get around the edge, one-cut kind of guy. Cedric Baxter, if he watched that game last night, he was licking his chops because, buddy, he's going to play early next year. Hey, hey, what, about, what about what about Jaden Blue? We that was where I was going. What is he, is, he's not an inside guy either, though, is no. he, Jerry? No. I was going to – no, definitely not. He's a space player. Unless, until he proves he can drop his pads and run and have, and run through uh, arm tackles and really fall forward and maximize yards in between tackles. I didn't see that in high school. I haven't seen that yet. My, I was going to ask about Jaden Blue. If you're Jaden Blue last night, what are your thoughts? I mean, you know, you were probably hoping to get more action in that game. I don't know if I want to dive into those thoughts. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I don't. My my thought is that he he was the third best running back on this on the team, yep. and they lost the game. Yep. There, there wasn't time to go to thirteen. No. No. You know, I mean, no offense. I know that that may hurt some feelings. Um, and and I want to say this going back to uh, uh, what. Uh, Justin was talking about with Xavier Worthy, seeing him, you know, drop a ball here or there. It's interesting because the folks behind behind uh, Xavier Worthy are freshmen, and they can't run routes like Xavier can. So they're not going to be as open, except on a, on a go route. It's just the reality. And so I, I want, I hope uh, those freshmen understand that they're they're not as polished and uh, not as ready. Uh, as they may think they are, I think. But hey, by uh, the way, that, um, that happens all the time. By the way, um, a couple things. Margin Hooks is down here coaching in the Under Armour game, and I had about a 20-minute conversation with him yesterday. A couple things. Um, he trains Isaiah Nayor. Nayor is going to start running soon. He's so he's on track, That's right on news. track, maybe a little ahead of where they thought he'd be. Um, Margin's biggest concern with him is he 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 thought he got a little too big. Um, and, and, and he thought 215, he should have been lighter than that. Um, so he's hoping he's he's a lighter player when he comes back from this. Uh, but to your point on freshman route running, he thinks that's going to be Jonte's strength early on at Texas. And yep. and I and, and if you look at Marvin Mims and the guys that um, that Margins trained, those guys go in freshman ready. So for the Texas fans, Jonte Cook goes in January 6th or 5th. They all move down, some 5th, some 6th. He's going to be route tree ready. He's going to know the nuance of the position because margin is so good at teaching it and communicating it. So he's going to be one of the rare freshmen that comes in ready from a route running perspective. Well, I wonder Absolutely. if DeAndre Moore's not that guy too out west. I think I, I think he's being tre- he was treated like that in recruiting. I'll tell you right, that. Right, right. 
We've yeah. just seen a more, we've seen a bigger sample size with Jonte because we've had so much interaction with him. You know, we, Jerry and I have been watching this kid since he was a freshman, and he looked this good. We knew as a freshman, okay, he's going to be different, and he just got better progressively. And that's the thing I love about Jonte. He's got a great attitude. You're not going to see bad body language from Jonte Cook. It's not going to happen. Hey, interesting. This was a from Mike Gosnell, and I, I want to take. I, I want to see y'all's take on this. I'm going to take it on mine. Sark seems to be getting out coached a lot by McGuire, by Dykes, and now DeBurr. Sark on the hot seat in year three? I don't think so. I mean, my, I'm going to say this. First of all, I don't think he was out coached by Joey McGuire. I think that his defense got beat in Lubbock. You know, they went I mean, 104 snaps. Uh, yeah. I mean, that, that, that was, he ran into a buzzsaw that did not, you know, just, that's just is what it is. He he also had his backup quarterback. You know, there's a number of different things. Second thing, was he really out coached by by Sonny Dykes? They lost by seven points. I mean, neither team moved the ball for crap all game. Yeah, is that an out coached? Last night were they out coached? Maybe. I mean, the they also had a, they had a senior quarterback that's a four year starter that was nickeling nickel and diming him down the down the field. Is that getting out coached or is that just, you know, he, he didn't drop the pass. And well, Washington yeah. had three receivers that didn't drop balls either. I, I, that's, I'm just, I, well, I, hey, I, I, my, my point here is I look, I am, I've been harsh on coaches in my, my career, whether it was Mac Brown or Tom Herman or Charlie strong, I don't pull punches. I don't blame. Are there little things that I think Steve Sarkeesian could have done differently last night? Yeah, is this on at late at the feet of him? Ultimately, the buck stops there, right? But eh. in the I, same I breath, like Texas, in Texas was breath. without its top two top two running backs, and their best wide receiver, ostensibly their best wide receiver, dropped the touchdown pass. Another one of their wide receivers dropped the third down pass that should have kept going and and left points off the scoreboard. Right. In that same breath, you can change that question. You can shift it to, well, then did Sark outcoach Chris Kleiman? Because Kansas State had a great team this year, went to the Big 12. Did he outcoach Nick Saban? Because technically Texas outscored Alabama. They just had the points taken away for some bizarre reason. So you can look at both sides of that. Did he outcoach Brent Venables? I'd say probably yes on that one. I, I think that I think that Brent Venables wanted out of that cotton bowl as quickly as possible. Woo, by the way. DeBoer's going to outcoach a lot of people. The guy just won 11 and 2 at Washington. Okay. Yeah. He's going to outcoach a lot of people. The under 50 group of college football head coaches, he's damn near the top, in my opinion. He's definitely got the offense rolling. Um, and, and those guys know. are coming back. Hey, uh, except for the, except for the guard center guard. Yeah. So they, 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 yeah, they will return. Yeah. But they lose those. Those three guys did a lot to, to contain Tavondre Sweat, uh, Alfred Collins, Byron Murphy. Uh, did Penix get hit last night? Covered. He got hit a couple times. Uh, early, very early. early. He, he got first. hit a couple times. Yeah. That wasn't – the issue wasn't getting pressure. I mean, Here's the reality. Early they did. Early they got good yeah. pressure. But, but here's, here's the reality of it that I have a problem with. And I, I wrote in this article this morning on Inside Texas. It's the same thing that cost them against Texas Tech. When you get nickeled and dimed like that down the field, you got to have a disruptor. Yeah. You got to have somebody that puts those guys behind the chains so that they can't just nickel and dime you and get into that feel of what everything is going to be. Okay. Texas had no disruptor on the outside last night. Zero tackles for loss. Forget about sacks. Washington doesn't get sacked. Zero tackles for loss. Which means only a penalty got him behind the chains. That, that's what I'm saying. And so an issue. the worst they're looking at all night is, th I mean, I think they actually did have a third and 12 or something that he completed a great pass to. But my point being is if that's what you're looking at, you don't, you're not forced to go deep. Right. Uh, and you had a, a trio of receivers that were, were pretty solid. You had a tight end that was really good, I thought. Um, and so you look at that and I feel like, you know, I don't feel like Texas got out coached. I, I feel like they got outplayed. 
the last, the first two possessions for Washington in the second half, 13 play drive, 14 play drive. That is the summary right there. They had three. They had three in the in the second half over 12 plays, Justin. 27 plays between two drives back to back. That's your sign. If you're billing ball, there's your sign. Yeah. Well, here's the other issue. They had a couple of fourth down conversions in that group. Oh, yeah. It was um, Texas and- Tech. You nailed it, Bobby. There was some shades of Texas Tech there, but it wasn't so much getting out coached. It was getting off the damn field. Yeah. And, you know, I, I felt like uh, the senior quarterback had something to do with that. We talk about this. I, I, let me ask you all this. I, I've And I've said this to both of you before. The team with the better quarterback wins, like, 75 to 80% of college football games, right? Isn't that, isn't that basically what y'all believe? I mean, more experience or better. One of yeah, the, the more experienced guy. Right. And so Penix is starting his, what, 40th game? Yeah. I mean, let, let's be clear. He, not a, he's not a, he started as a freshman at Indiana and, you know. Hey, hey, by, hey by, the, by the way. Hudson Card was in the stands last night. Okay? Oh, was he really? Yes. That's great. And, and and sources tell me the first thing he noticed after that game, the quarterback for Washington was a lot more confident. He was gripping and ripping it in the second half, and you could just tell he had tons more experience than the other one. Well, here, here's the thing. Here's the thing, too, with uh, with Penix is that's interesting to me. Bobby, you know how big I am on these quarterbacks coming out of high school that don't play in these perfect systems where the old Garrett Gilbert thing for me, he threw his first read 95% of the time because the guy was always open, right? He never, despite being NFL quarterback son, he never really had to play quarterback in high school. When you look at Penix, he played at Indiana and was hurt twice and played under duress for every snap nearly he played. That guy's prepared to play under duress and play when the game isn't clean to start. That guy is absolutely prepared for that. Uh, and that's why Washington is going to be an interesting team to watch next year because now he's going for a sixth time doing this. But he's yeah. played under duress. And that's one of the things I like about Arch Manning now. The people that can't get past the name and, uh, and all they want to talk about is the release, which you talked about at all. He played under duress for four years of high school football. And Texas fans need to remember that when his time comes – being playing under pressure is not going to be new for him. He he is going to have seen everything in his peripheral because he played under duress at Isidore Newman for four years, and that has nothing to do with the staff there. Justin and I know them; they're really good. They just don't have speed on that team. They just not a very talented team roster wise. So he had to play under duress a lot of the time, and that's going to prepare him to be a much better quarterback when he gets on the field. That Once makes his team, numbers look even crazier. Jerry. It does. It does. I want to say thank you to our sponsor one more time, uh, Andy Ludicky uh, at MyPerfectFranchise.net. Stuck in the corporate rat race with two weeks PTO and no control over the money you can make or your schedule in general, call Andy. He will take you through a process to help find a business that will fit your skill sets and financial goals. Franchise ownership isn't for everyone, but if you have a desire to take control of your destiny, call Andy or email him at Andy at MyPerfectFranchise.net. We appreciate his ongoing support of On Texas Football and Inside Texas. Hey, recruiting notes real quick. Justin, before you got on, uh, uh, Jerry gave us an update on Deuce Robinson. Uh, He is one of the only players left in this recruiting class that Texas is still going after, uh, the young tight end. He said that he talked to Deuce yesterday and just giving everybody an update that wasn't with us uh, early on. Uh, Texas, USC, uh, Georgia, and maybe Alabama is a possibility. Yeah, yeah, but Jerry thinks about Oregon. Is that legit? Well, he hasn't scheduled the official visit. They're talking about going up there in a couple of weeks, so we'll okay. see. Um, but the baseball football combination, I just, I, I think, is going to be very interesting there. Um, I can tell you this: I'm not sure, and this can change, right? This is January. We're December 30th. Sorry, um, I'm not sure USC is as confident as Georgia and Texas are right now which I think is interesting. Um, really interesting. But, but that doesn't mean they won't become February, first Wednesday in February, right? Let's be real. Um, 
But for the Texas fans have been asking, how much does Deuce talk to David Pierce? He said they have a great relationship, and they talk. The interesting thing I didn't say in the open because we're getting David Pierce is Texas baseball coach. Yeah. For those don't know, yeah. Um, what would I didn't get to a Deuce in the open because we needed to get Nathan in there. But um, was he he the thing that struck me about the decision um, outside of NIL, NIL and all that, right? Because he's the number one tight in the country. We're not going to dance around this stuff is he's really looking for the continuity between a football and baseball staff. He said, because if I'm going to play both sports successfully on the next level, everybody has to be on the same page, the football staff, the baseball staff, my family, and myself. And I thought that was a very interesting comment. I think whoever marries that together is is going to give Deuce a lot of confidence in where he sees himself. That doesn't mean it'll be the deciding factor, but I thought that was an interesting quote. Uh, just as Jerry has uh, been following Deuce Robinson down in, in uh, 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 Orlando, uh, Justin, you were talking to Jelani McDonald, the other uh, player that Texas is still in on uh, that for the 2023 class. What is the latest on the safety athlete out of uh, uh, Waco? First thing I noticed, I, I, we went uh, to Chisholm Trail uh, a couple days ago. Inside Texas did for the Whataburger Classic. Always a good tournament. I know Great. Jerry knows it. I've been there. I've been there. I know I know Jerry knows it well. Um, so, so, Justin's voice got excited when he said Chisholm Trail. <laughs> hey, man. That's a nice place, man. I, I, I was surprised at how, just how big and how nice that place is. Yeah. Um, but getting to see Conley basketball was something I wanted to do after I went and saw him in football, just because the entire basketball team is made up of football players. Yeah. And I love that from a physicality and aggressiveness standpoint. Jelani McDonald, you can tell it's basketball season because in football he went from 6'3", but when you get announced in basketball, 6'4". <laughs> and he's really 6'2 and a half. 6'2 and a half. 6'2 and a half. You know that's legit. And so – I think the biggest turn takeaway just from his athleticism, um, he had a dunk in the second half that just – it was a windmill, and it just shook the structure. It shook the poles. The backboard was swaying. It was – my son, my six-year-old son had never seen anything like that before, and that definitely caught his attention. Jelani can get off the floor. Somebody asked me on Inside Texas a great question. Who's the better athlete, Darian Gallette? or Jelani McDonald. I said Gallette is more explosive. He's got more of that because we've seen him come off the floor in basketball easily. He's got more explosive strength, in my opinion. I think Jelani's got more twitch. I think he can – I watched him play on-ball defense against guys 5'10", 5'11", 6'0". He went step for step, cutting off each angle. That's impressive for a guy that's 6'3", 200 pounds. Uh, that, Jelani makes me, that, is, that makes me want – to think that he's a star, yeah. uh, a, a, a nickel, a big nickel is what they call him. I, I think if, that's he's twitch, he, I, if he's twitchy like that, Justin, I didn't um, expect now, to see that. He may end up being a linebacker, whatever he is, right? But uh, you, you got to. That's one of the things I would say that Texas lacks. Um, Mo Blackwell has a little bit of it, right? Yes, he's yes. twitchy like that, and that's what we're, that's really what you're talking about. You're not talking about uh, a Jade Barron who is more straight out fast. Right. right? Um, and that's interesting. Uh, that, that would, uh, that, that makes you feel good because guys that are like that tend to work out. I, I was told a long time ago, Jimmy John, I was in a, I was at a coaching clinic back when I was in, I guess, 25. So we're talking about a good 27 years ago, 28 years ago. And Jimmy Johnson was there and Jimmy Johnson was talking about, uh, he was doing this big defensive thing and, it got in. It didn't. It wasn't talking about recruiting. It was talking about evaluation. Uh, but he started talking about in recruiting. Uh, he 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 segued it over to recruiting, and he started talking about how he liked to watch all the guys go through the ropes in rec in recruiting. Because if he could see a guy go through the ropes, he knew he knew right away whether or not they their foot stayed in the ground too long. Yes, especially he he said that matters so much on defense. You don't even know. He said, you play football with your feet as much as you do anything else. And that was what he looked for, especially at linebacker and defensive back. 
It's interesting you said that too, and I, and I'll and I'll go to Kobe Black as soon as I'm done talking to Jelani. That's why Kobe plays basketball. He flat out told me this as a DB. This helps him with his with his footwork. And unlike in football where you can use your hands, he's like Justin. I can't use my hands like that in basketball. So I have to stay sharp with my feet. And I thought that that really kind of goes in perfectly with, with what you saw from from Jimmy Johnson from a from a recruiting standpoint. Jelani's got three schools, guys, Texas, TCU, and Oklahoma State. Uh, we all know that he's already signed with someone, uh, but he, he wants to keep that under wraps until January 7th when he announces that the All-American Bowl inside Texas will be there, of course, to cover it. Um, he gave me a little bit on each one. I think TCU's in a good spot because of the coaching staff and really because of the playoff run. Anytime you make a playoff run, recruiting's a little easier, uh, especially up in Fort Worth. And so I think he's kind of got a little caught up in that a little bit. Uh, Oklahoma State built the first relationship. They, they had that first kind of connection with him. And I think that's kind of resonated and, and kind of gone through. But with Texas, I said, you know, what, what, what is it about Texas? And he's like, man, it's really everything. He said, you know, I really like Jeff Choate. Him and I have gotten, he said, him and, and Choate have gotten a lot closer over the last couple months. I know just by talking to him that TCU, you know, made a really strong push, especially during that official visit. But he always wanted to take that official to Texas. He kept holding that in his back pocket. He kept it, it was almost like he, he wasn't going to let that opportunity go. And then talking the best thing he liked about his trip, his official was going into coaches meetings and seeing what he'll have to do at the next level like the type of detail that they go through with each position, with each formation, with each scheme. He loves that kind of stuff. And he's like, that's kind of what's going to show me. He shows it's going to be a job once I get to, once I get to college. And so at the end of the day, I, I love where Texas stands with Jelani. We're going to let him announce that obviously on January 7th, but going to watch him play basketball was something I told him I was going to do five months ago. I'm so glad I did because I saw a different side of him. I saw, I saw some, some Uber athletic, some athleticism I wasn't expecting, especially on the defensive end. And so, I, you know, like I said, I like where Texas stands with, with, with Jelani. And Eric made a good point, too. There's more and more easy athleticism coming into these classes. And if Jelani picks Texas, I put him in that category of kind of easy athleticism, fluidity. I, I got to respond to Aaron Guerra. Uh, this is not my gamer. This is my practice one. <laughs> is Gary wearing a dog collar? It's my media, it's my media tag. I thought Bobby put that on you, and we have to oh. shock you <laughs> if, if, if something goes out that we were like, wait a minute, wait a minute, did somebody shock Jerry? Did you get him? Man, the damn button. We work. literally talked about this before we went on. I said, Jerry, that just doesn't look right. You look like a like an 80s German discotheque dude or something. <laughs> Hey, um, I want to go back to something else. Uh, somebody is mentioning uh, that uh, uh, Jalen Gilbo got dismissed. That's incorrect. He's he's out right now. Um, he, he's got a knee injury, right, Jerry? He's out, he's, uh, he's out until July. From yeah, so he's, he's out. He got, he won't, he'll miss the spring. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, Austin Jordan saw time last night. Terrence Brooks saw time. Uh, we didn't see much from Michael Taft last night. He made a big play on special teams, yeah. But yeah, I don't but think he was needed as much, Bobby, because I think Anthony Cook and Jaron Thompson played a pretty solid game back there. Jaron Thompson played motivated. Yeah, I thought he had a nice pick, first pick of the year for him, uh, first pick of either safety on the year uh, yeah. for Texas. Well, we uh, talked about talk about something that needs to change: playmate finishing plays at safety with turnovers. They got to call Derek more. Williams one on one, calling yep. Derek Williams. <laughs> They, they, they've got a lot of needs right now, in my opinion. Um, that brings me to the portal. Um, given what you saw last night, how many receivers do you think Texas should take in the portal? Um, I could see two. No more than two. No more. Oh, no, sure, no, no, sure no more than, I know, but a but lot make of people sure the, question, the, question is, the question is one or two when it comes down to it. I – I say two. You, I say two. If you if you don't if you don't get the room exactly where you want it, then you're not going to ascend as fast as you ideally want to. Bottom line. Here's my I problem, agree. right? Um, Xavier Worthy. I, look, I, I'm one of those. I want him on the team. So don't. This is right. the problem. Is, you don't know if he wants to be on the team. So how do you not recruit around that? 
What about um, if there are players on the team that don't want him? Uh, on the well, team? that's a different story. I mean, it just, goes in all of it. Where in my, they all go together. I, I feel like I feel like um, when he gets on the field, uh, he is one of the hardest workers there is. Just not not producing, and I'm I'm concerned more than anything, more than the the, the hands problem, the inability for a guy like him to track the ball downfield is a really big deal because otherwise what's he going to use his speed for crossing routes that won't work in the nfl when you that's weigh 100 150 pounds that's that's what i'm saying and so that 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 needs to be something he works on outside of just working with quinn ewers by the way I, um, I, by, by the way and i'm not saying i'm not sitting here insinuating but if you're hunting for nil deals catch the football I, I don't think there's any any doubt about that, right? I mean, I mean I, I'm not sure that helps your value. Yeah, yeah, I I would agree. Switch the screen to me, Matthew. <laughs> yeah, I, I feel like you know Texas is in a situation where they have to to come out. Um, let's talk about a little something else here. Big Twelve right now, one in five in bowl games. Not surprised. It's not a talented league. It's not an it's, NFL talent. It's not an NFL talented league. The bowl, really- the bowl, the bowl records are so arbitrary, man. Because some matchups are better than other matchups. Some players know, but- opt out. I, I think it's fun to talk about, but you don't take it seriously. But yeah, well, I, I think you're right, though. I think I think it, the Big Twelve was a bunch of teams that were just decent on different days. Obviously, TCU was was better than the rest, but. They had to win what four or five games on the last possession just to get out of the Big Twelve. When they hurt so every, I think I might agree with Jerry. They hurt every quarterback in the first half. But here's my thing: is every year the conversation is it's the same. Well, the Big Twelve is a really good league. It's got really good coaches. I and I, I don't disagree with that. Then when the NFL draft happens, there's very few guys drafted out of the conference. If it was a great conference, Texas and OU would not be going to the SEC. If it was a really talented conference. They're going to the talented conference for a reason. Um, the kids, the prospects, don't look at the Big 12 as the destination. And, and, and it's never going to be a talented league because of that. They, it's not a destination for the most talented players. Bottom line. Well, uh, good Texas example is the ACC. I don't think that's a destination either. And no. they put dudes in the league regularly. They're, they're right there underneath the SEC every draft, it feels like. With putting guys in the league, too. And, and part of that, sixteen teams, by the way. Yeah, yeah but yeah, part, part of that also is they have Florida, Georgia, South Carolina, and, and North Carolina, and Virginia. Yeah, yeah. I mean, those are all talented states. Whereas the Big Twelve has Texas, which is great. And that's it. But and, but that's it. I mean, Oklahoma has you know ten kids a year, maybe five more yeah. likely to get offers from them. Right. Kansas, maybe one or two. I mean, it, just, it is what it is. Um, you know. We, we look at that. I, I will say this much uh, of all the bowl games I've watched this year, Kansas, Arkansas may be the most fun. Did y'all get a chance to see any of that game? I did not. I was, I was watching basketball. Kansas was down by 15 points with a minute 30 left. Went, came back, completed a second and 29, I think for a first down score, got the onside kick, tied it, went into triple overtime. Yeah, it was a hell of a Aaron game. Daniels is legit, man. People yeah, better, he is. People need to pay attention to that kid. I think Lance Leipold's legit too. One hundred percent. The the coach at uh, at Kansas. I think that the issue there for him is, you know, again, talent wise, is he able? Is he going to be able to get the guys on defense? Yeah, you know that that would be a a question for for Texas. Or, I, yeah, or, you brought you brought up a good something from a recruiting perspective. I think the, the 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 Arkansas is kind of limited right now to me. I, I'm not sure they didn't hit their peak under Pittman, and I don't mean that negatively. But with Texas and OU moving to the SEC, as long and and, and as long as Arkansas is now sandwiched between those to the west and the SEC, LSU to the south, and what Lane Kiffin saved the bowl game, um, but what he's done at Ole Miss, um, Arkansas is in a really tough recruiting spot now. I mean, really, really tough with the Big 12 expanding too, with Houston coming into the Big 12. I mean, Arkansas from a recruiting 
perspective is in a really tough spot. It's going to be interesting to see their program in the few, in future years. I, it's not unlike what happened to them when they went to the SEC and got marginalized in Texas. Yeah. Um, Good point. Frankly, I mean, that's I, why that's what I think is coming for them. Yeah. Well, they they haven't necessarily been a a threat to 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 the overall conference there. They beat the crap out of Texas a year ago. Uh, but that's a different story. They haven't I mean, been the same a lot since Darren McFadden and Felix year. Jones shared a backfield. And the and the one player Texas didn't get out of the portal that would have ended up making the biggest difference on this team was Drew Sanders, by the way. Yeah. Yep. All right. Hey, I want to say thank you again to our sponsor. Got a couple more questions here for Justin and uh, Jerry. But first, I want to say thank you to Andy Ludicky of uh, MyPerfectFranchise.net. Uh, you may be someone like me that has their hands in multiple businesses. And uh, Andy can help you diversify by finding you businesses that will fit your time, allotment, and financial goals. Call him or email him. He's got a really good, cool process. I did it myself, and that's Andy at MyPerfectFranchise.net. Uh, Andy's a good guy, and we appreciate his ongoing sponsorship of On Texas Football as well as Inside Texas and, and our guys' stuff. All right, um, next 10 days here, we're looking for – let's just talk about what Texas is looking at. Uh, 10 days – Start conference play in basketball, recruiting games. Um, Jerry's at Under Armour right now. Just, uh, Justin will be going to the, the uh, Adidas game in San Antonio next next month. Um, and then we got the portal starting up back, or not starting, but back in full motion. We may see some guys from Texas leave it and go into the portal. We may, we may see Texas attract some guys from the portal. Uh, anything else you all want to add to that next 10 days to be looking out for? Uh, uh, the all the early enrollees will be moving down to Austin January 5th, 6th. So um, those guys will begin. And I was talking to Sadir Mitchell yesterday about as important as spring football is for him and actually getting acclimated to college football at the Power 5 level, his conditioning, one of the things he, it was interesting he said is, I've got to take conditioning very, very serious this in January, February, headed into spring ball because in the summer – he said, it's going to be tough on me because I'm not accustomed to the heat. He said, so I got to get a lot of work done before spring practice. I thought that was a pretty astute uh, observation by Sadir as a 340-pound guy. Uh, but that's my thing is these guys that are moving in, the early enrollees, I think is so huge this year. Um, think about last year. How many a scholarship offensive linemen were there? Seven? Six or seven? With now you're going to have – and now you're going yeah, one early rolling. Now you got four guys coming in, all the guys coming back. The freshmen they're going to be sophomores, so your offensive line can make real progress this spring. Um, but you know, Cedric Baxter's off season is huge um, with his body. I looked at him again yesterday. We talked about it. Um, his frame is he's six one two fifteen. So th people think he's some jacked up guy, but he's not. He hasn't even scratched the surface physically. So some of those guys coming in, they're going to have real opportunities not only to get on the field. Uh, but in, in the offseason to really build their bodies up the way they need to. Uh, so those guys moving in on January 5th and 6th, another big thing. Echoing, echoing what Jerry said, basically, I mean, he, he nailed most of the points. I love that half of this, over half this class is going to be on campus in two weeks, week and a half. That's tremendous because last year that influx of freshmen and, and, and taking particular transfers with Ryan Watts and, and, and Diamante Tucker Doris and Quinn Ewers, I thought kept the culture well. Now you're bringing in another group that's eager to get there, that they're going to mesh with that freshman group from last year. And you're going to, like, like, like Jerry said, the O line is going to have some, some real depth now. You go from a couple freshmen that were ready made starters to guys you can develop now it, it, throughout the spring and, and into the summer. I think that's big. I, th I think finishing up 2023's class is going to be pretty big. We won't know that completely, obviously, in the next 10 days. We'll have a, we'll, we'll have maybe one or two better ideas of it in the next couple weeks. And then with the portal, that's a hold-on, loosely type of deal because just understand it's part of the game, it's part of the business. You may lose a couple, you're going to gain a couple. The portal taketh and the portal giveth. It's just the nature of our sport. But you the biggest key is you have to tune into InsideTexas.com every day because that's where you learn all this new stuff. And if you have to refresh every 15 minutes, we understand. We get that. So, to me, the, the next 10 days, the most important is just how much 
you can prove to us, you can click at InsideTexas.com. Oh, to me, that's, there's nothing more important. Okay, so, okay. I, I'm moving on from that. Here's another one. <laughs> the Arch Manning era at Texas officially begins with, as far as him being a Texas football player January 5th. No matter whether Quinn Ewers is a fifth-round pick, fourth-round pick, third-round pick, or really takes off because he's got first-round talent. That's not going to change. Uh, two five-star quarterbacks, two probable future NFL draft picks at quarterback. Can anybody name the last time? Is Vince and Colt? Obviously, they were Texas had two of those guys in the same room. I don't think Texas ever had two five-star rated quarterbacks in the room. At the yes, same they time. have. Who? What, what am I missing? Chris Sims and Chance Mock were both five stars. Okay. I didn't know where I didn't know where Mott came and out. Vince of. was actually in that too. They had three five stars on campus at once. I don't remember if Chance was. He was. He was the number three rated quarterback. He te- he chose Texas. He de- he decommitted from A and M his junior year. He chose Texas over Notre Dame and Florida. I think Florida went with maybe Brock Berlin that year, and so it came down to like Notre Dame. I think LSU made a push late, but he was he was by most accounts a five star i'm sure the rankings will, will show you but no, that, he, that's my yeah, guess. He, he was a composite five, five and one and a four and the other yeah there you go so chance chris there you go guys a wealth of information i thought jerry was going to break out <laughs> connor woods stuff on me oh wow yeah. and garrett oh, wow. gilbert he's yeah. like look he was a four star but but wells i watched him like i, I thought that's the direction he was going no 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 i wasn't on the garrett gilbert five star bandwagon I'll uh, hey let's 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 close this out because this is the end of the season um and texas uh finishes the year eight and five uh and loses all five games by one score or you know one score basically um what is your overriding what how are you going to remember this season and what do you take away from it justin you go first i take away i think they made a pretty large jump from year one to year two I understand, you know, five and seven and eight and five doesn't feel that different, but buddy, inside that locker room, it is. And, and in the recruiting recruiter and the, the, the prospects' eyes, I think they see that progress. I think they sense that and they feel it and they're buying into it. And so to me, yeah, five and seven, eight and five may not feel that different, but I do. I, I feel like that's the biggest takeaway from 2022. It was the year we saw Quinn Ewers finally throwing passes for Texas after covering him for four and a half years. It was the year we saw Bijan Robinson really cement himself in his legacy at Texas as one of the best to ever carry the rock in Austin. And I think it's the year we saw PK and Coach Choke come into the season having to prove some stuff. And I think both, especially Coach Choke, proved their merit and, and their medal with, with, with the development and those guys, especially the last half of the season. That, that's my takeaway is, is I think the program took a pretty good jump from year one to year two. Jerry? Yeah, Texas had to hit eight wins this year. That was a number for me uh, from a recruiting perspective. And when you improve three games from year one to year two, it's hard for anybody to really truly question the trajectory of a program. Um, now, you definitely got to go to nine to 10 next year. You got to continue to show that trajectory. Um, it, I, I, it's going to be very interesting because I think next season is going to be maybe the most, I don't know what y'all's opinion is, the most excitement around the te- Texas football. In, 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 a, in a decent amount of time here, in, in, in a few years, because part of that is Quinn's a second-year player, Arch is coming into the program, right? The move to the SEC is a year away. But there's going to more, be more interest, intrigue, and, and I think positivity around the program because of the way this season did go. Some people are always going to have issues with uh, the loss last night or five losses this year. I know what the expectations are at Texas. But I, I think it's going to be a season that's had the most – you know, fanfare, excitement, coverage nationally in a few years. I don't know what you guys think. Yeah, I, I will take this. I'll, I'll say it this way. Um, yes, I agree on the improvement, the three-game improvement that you mentioned. Both of you guys talked about it. Uh, my takeaway is this. Um, they've got I, – I felt like the biggest question I had coming into the season was defense, not offense. I thought offense would score some points. Steve Sarkeesian is known as that. I think they've got a defensive coordinator they can rely on now. He's not perfect, but he's not bad. He's not what the numbers said he was a year ago, right? So take that on top of what you have coming in uh, with on offense, and I think Texas is well-positioned for the future. 
I, I would not have necessarily said that a year ago at this time, given how badly the defense played in 2021. 2022, they played better. They could they could be good team a good team on both sides of the ball, and they were for a large part of this year. Uh, they improve on that next year. I, I agree with the nine ten win stuff. And, and look, you're gonna have a second. You're gonna have a second year kicker and a five and a guy with four years experience punting at the Power Five level. So Trejo did a good job. I was a fan of Trejo this year. I think you're upgrading at the punter. Your kicker should be upgraded. It's year two. Um, so I think it's a winner two right there. Yeah. I mean, there's, there, I think there's some things in the special teams, uh, that are, that are arrow up as well. How about signing a top three class after, after you go five and seven, you sign a top five, you go eight and five, you sign a top three. I know we get that question all the time during the year. Where do you see this class finishing? I'll be honest. I didn't know it was going to be top three. I, I thought it would be more five, six, maybe with seven range. LSU was making a late push. Ohio state was as well. But if you're if you're getting another top three class, you're getting back to back coming in. That's the foundation you need. That that's what Sark needs. They're getting their guys. They're getting those guys there. And like Jerry said, next year is a nine ten win season. That that has to be the expectation because it goes in with the talent that's been infused on the forty eight. And we'll be talking about it a lot. But the twenty twenty four class in the state of Texas is not as, as good as good as the last couple. So I think you're going to see more for the national recruiting fans. I think Texas is going to have to go out at certain positions nationally more so yep. than even in the last two classes. Um, that's going to be something to follow in the 24 class to where this Texas class could go because you're going to have to go out of state more and compete with every blue blood at defensive tackle. Um, if you don't get Colin Simmons at edge, I mean, so there's going to be some big national battles. Texas is going to get involved in, in the 24 class, which we'll have fun talking about in the future. All right. Uh, Justin Wells of Inside Texas, Jerry Hamilton, Inside Texas, and on three. Uh, we appreciate your time. Uh, this was a, a, another live stream. Uh, we, we enjoy doing these and talking with you guys. Uh, thank you all for joining us, uh, and we will see you again soon. Uh, for Justin and Jerry, I'm Bobby Burton. Appreciate you watching.